Welcome to Carrots and Suffering. I am Nate, your dungeon master, and I don't know, executive producer of this podcast? You know what, I'm going to put that on my resume. We're back! OMG, it is so good to be back. It was a long few months of vacation, but our vaccine hero, Julie, is getting closer to a normal human working schedule. And so we're slowly getting back into it. Thank you to all of the people who got vaccinated against COVID. Keep up the good work. We are not out of the woods yet, but we are close enough that we can return to meeting our characters again in their metaphorical and sometimes literal woods. Let's get into it. Last time on Carrots and Suffering, our heroes ducked a giant owl and took Thomas Drury, fourth son of House Drury and only witness to the devastation caused by the last Thorns Beast attack, to House Frikers to try to prevent a nefarious assault on yet another house. When they got there, the enemy appears to be a swarm of bugs? That's some kind of magic effect. And those insects are like a single unified organism. Can you do that webby thing that you do, like that you did with the needle blights and the giant? I thought that might be one means of controlling them. Inside the Friker's barn, the party fights another monster that destroys one of the family's few horses. A spider? Only it's been badly mutated. It has a giant scorpion stinger and claws coming off of its thorax. And how big is it overall? Is it a huge spider? It's about the size of one of these horses. Okay. In the end, our heroes defeat the monster, discovering that the swarm of bugs is the real monster and a druid spellcaster and a fetch beast. A few locusts struggle in the snow, trying to get back to the empty skin and dark cloak of the fetch of Lady Mason. We see it and the locusts quiver, and then the fallen snow covers the sticks and leaves. The scene becomes nothing more than a lost cloak in the snow. Our heroes, fearing rumors, abandon poor Thomas Drury to take full credit for dispatching the monster and escape to Lady Miev's house where they tell her of her missing shepherd and nearly consumed sheep. They decide, warning Lord Mentor that Yennefer Varathy is behind these rogue destructive fetch attacks, cannot wait until morning as they intuit her possible plans and, more importantly, her ability to pin them on their allies. Disturbingly, if she's using fetches as her means of operating, she could pin those same crimes on the individuals themselves. Well, but they're in Fey. Byron isn't! Miev uses her teleport spell, but things don't quite go as planned. And y'all teleport, so I need to roll a percentage dice to see... You arrive, not in Lord Mentor's castle, but in Silpha Lunari's living room. Vanessa is in house clothes looking almost asleep on the couch. And Hanzo is not actually wearing clothes. <laughs> and he crosses his leg sheepishly. Boo. <laughs> Hi, Dad. <laughs> what a moment. <laughs> Silva blocks her eyes. La, 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 la. <laughs> Let's get into it. Hi, my name is Nate, and I will be your dungeon master. I'm Sandra. I play Sable the Druid. I'm Mandy. I play Jalen the Rogue. I'm Julie. I play Sylpha the Wizard. And we're recording again! Yay! Hooray! First time since February! Woo! Oh my god, it's been a long time! I remember how to do this, I think. What are we playing? Monopoly? Is it Monopoly? That's right. That's right. Houses and horses! Uh, I'm not houses very good at that. Houses and humans. Yeah. yeah. And you are the house. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna house. There you go. Oh, man. Roll to settle? <laughs> Raise the roof. Let me reset our scene here. We'll start there. So I believe I was a weasel. No, no. I was not. We're no. after that. Hanzo is naked. Oh, right! We were in Sofa Lunari's <laughs> living room, having teleported there. Yes. Ah, With okay. a naked Hanzo and a nearly asleep Vanessa. Vanessa. Yep. <clears throat> Correct. So, to reset the scene, you were about to teleport from Miev's house to Mentor's house when the spell goes, it seems, slightly awry. And you arrive in the Lunari family townhome living room, which is just a little outside of the castle. Problematically, there's a pop and a rush of air, and you are now standing in the middle of the sitting room, 
which has Hanzo Lunari, a beetle man, completely naked, sitting there on the couch, reading something. And Vanessa, also on the couch, wearing sort of a housecoat thing, about to fall asleep. She sort of bolts upright. Hanzo coughs and crosses his legs. And Miev just sort of looks around confused, leaving you all to respond. So it kind of goes, oh god, oh no, ah, ooh. Jalen kind of chuckles. <laughs> so for face palms. Sable covers her eyes. I'm look. I'm I'm sorry. We're popping in unannounced. Sorry to pop up like this. Your father clears his throat and says, <clears throat> "Sofa conjures a mage hand, which leaves the room and comes back with some kind of robe and deposits it in his lap." Thank you, princess. I completely stand there the whole time. Sable has <laughs> just got her eyes covered. With a gloved hand. He'll stand up and turn around and put the robe on, which the modesty is mostly in thought there. But he's wearing it now and sits back down on the couch and says, Well, um, it's so good to see you all. And Vanessa, who is now fully awake, says, Uh, is something, is something wrong? Yes. Jalen looks at Miev and goes, I don't know, is something wrong? Uh, Miev says, well, this is a happy accident. You know what? I'm I'm this is a little awkward. I'm going to I'm going to wait outside. <laughs> Excuse me. And she takes 3 steps out of the living room into the hallway. I'll peek enough to see which direction she's going and very quickly follow. You are now in the hallway. Miev is trying really hard. She's like fanning herself trying to get the blush to stop. Yeah. She looks like she's keeping a panic attack down. Jalen and Silfa, what are you doing? Well, I think Jalen looks to Silfa. I'm sorry. We seem to have landed here by accident. We were on our way to the regent's house, there's been another attack. Oh. This time at the Frikers' estate. Your mom stands up kind of immediately and says, I, let me get dressed and I'll, I can get you in to see Lord Mentor. And she sort of half dashes to the nearest washroom. Your dad stands up and says, well, it's good you stopped by. Um, is there anything I can do to help? <laughs> We're not sure if the Frikers are the only ones who were going to be attacked tonight, so it might be good to have eyes in as many places as we can. I can wake the guard up. Let me get my armor. Sylpha will look at her father and say, Papa, what do you know about fetches? He gives you a, a, a very concerned look and then says, Oh boy. Well, I've made a few in my time. They're a lot. I know a lot. What's going on? There are it would seem, fetches of an unknown number present, and someone has a means of controlling them. Your dad says, well, okay, fetches are extremely expensive to create. They require a, a high amount of magic and a, and a deal, usually to bind them into existence. They're incredibly, well, they're supposed to be rare. How, how many do you think there are? I believe there are some fetches in town that arose from various deals of various people, and someone has found a means of identifying them and then harnessing their power. Someone has made a fetch of Byron Mason. Well, he's a very sweet man. I, are you? Do you think he was abducted? No. No, he's at our estate. I mean, the real Byron is at our estate, but his, his fetch has already committed some crimes. Oh, no. Thomas Jury told me that one of the creatures that attacked his house turned into Byron Mason. This is going to be very bad politically. We're definitely going to need your mother. Let me get my armor, and I guess I guess I have some explaining to do. Maybe gather everybody in the study. I'll be right there. Yes, Papa. And he strides out and, and your dad is a, a large man so you can feel the floor shake as he goes so have we seen vanessa and hanzo walk out now vanessa went another direction but hanzo will walk out and basically say we're, we're headed to the study just let me get my armor all right i lower my eyes and scutter <laughs> over to the study very quickly <laughs> sylpha's like i'm i'm so sorry <laughs> jay little whisper to sylpha we're not in a magic circle or a magic room. We need to be careful how much we say. Well, we don't have servants that are scrying on us, and I don't see any other fairies. 
Yeah, her lantern would be lit. That's true. So it does take 10 minutes to put on plate mail, and your mother will spend that 10 minutes getting makeup on and such. So you have 10 minutes in the study to yourself. Jalen crosses her arms and leans against the wall and says, Do we have a plan of what to say to the Lord Regent after we wake him up in the middle of the night? Alleviated a bit by Vanessa doing it, but that, you know, do we know what we're going to say? Sable is very tightly set down <laughs> in a chair. She's got her hands in her lap and her shoulders are up and her knees are together. And she is just like, oh, my God. <laughs> she is. She's still pretty freaked out that we came in on a naked parents. She hasn't quite let go of that yet. <laughs> I think Silpha is unfazed, just embarrassed. I imagine in House Lunari, your parents aren't always the most modest. No, and I think that's happened to Silpha more than once. Mm -hmm. But probably not in front of her friend. I think this is probably the first time this has happened in front of her friends, yeah, right? Absolutely. This is the first time anything even remotely like this has happened to Sable. Oh my god, she is so embarrassed. Jalen chuckled, but other than that, she didn't even blink. <laughs> There's a lot of nudity at Jalen's house. There is a lot of her nudity at Jalen's house, so yeah, she's she doesn't really think <laughs> twice about that. I mean, are we not going to talk about what just happened there? Sable, I that's mean, a fairly frequent occurrence in this house. Oh my god. <laughs> She just covers her eyes and rocks a little bit. I, I mean, I'm a little interested, Mia. But, I mean, you don't seem to have intended to bring us here, so... Um... Uh, teleportation magic always carries a chance of error, and, um... Oh, boy, wasn't expecting that one. Very, very sorry. Well, it's a little auspicious, though, because we are about to wake up the Lord Regent in the middle of the night, and having Silpha's mom do it is probably better than us doing it, right? Agreed. Yes, well, Vanessa, I'm sure, can get us in. Lord Mentor will never turn her down, even if I am there. So that's probably good. Just, I mean, could you tell your mom and dad that I'm really sorry? Like, I'm really sorry. I think you're more embarrassed than they are, Sable. Oh. What Jalen said is true. Miev's blush has gone away, and she says, Well, I, I'm embarrassed, but it's not necessarily for the nudity. Oh, it's been it's been years since my teleportation messed up like that. I, I, I'm very sorry. Do you think there's something affecting your teleportation? Like a ward on Mentor's house that would keep us from being able to go there? Oh my god, I didn't even think of that. There hasn't been a ward there in the past, but I guess if you wanted to prevent someone from popping in... Uh, uh, we have had more magic problems of late, so... Or could Yennefer be doing something? I, I can't think of anything that Yennefer would be doing that's not exactly the design of druidic magic. But I'm not as powerful as she is. She may know something I don't. But you're right, Jalen, we should have a plan. It's incautious of us to be telling everything to to anyone. I mean, even to your parents. Well, and I stand on what I said yesterday. We don't want to call attention to ourselves right now. I feel like all we need to do is tell them what happened. Show them the bugs that are going to turn into sticks. And I don't... Do we do anything else? Well, when we tell him... If we tell him that that is druidic magic, we're opening the floor for war. Is that in our hands? I'm not sure it is. All it does is give him a little bit more warning. Mia will chime in and say, if there is anyone in this kingdom who will work against that outcome, it is Lord Mentor. Silpha? Agreed. Lord Mentor would not want to provoke a war. So we give him information that makes it a little more possible for him to pinpoint where the problems are coming from. Another outcome is that he could turn all of the noble houses against Varathi. That's possible. Could he seize the land? His power isn't unlimited. The houses are just as invested in maintaining their power as they are in maintaining the Varathi family's authority. If Lord Mentor violates her power, then the, everyone's will be next. Uh, he's going to move very cautiously. Well, and she won't. That is why we need to really get to him tonight. Agreed. So we tell him about the attacks. We tell him that you know it's druid magic, so he can, without a doubt in his mind, pinpoint Yennefer Varathi. And then I think what he does with the information is on him. We should also warn him that there might be some who are seeing images of other people, lords and ladies, Byron, for instance, as 
the attackers and that that is not real. Are we going to explain fetches to him or just say that there's illusory magic and <sighs> imitating other people? I think it would be best to explain the nature of a fetch to him. I'm sure he's aware of the stories, but how much he believes is another matter. He may dismiss us out of hand as bringing him a jar of insects. Well, I think the best we can do is give him the jar of insects, tell him to keep it close, and he'll watch it turn into sticks within the next few days. But what he does with that is, again, I think that's on him. All we can do is tell him what we know. I am torn on how much information to share. This, I think, is a question for your mother. Mm. There are rumors that he gathers and disappears. Fairy lore. He, he might know a lot more than he's letting on. Let's gauge that. Agreed. Okay. If what we've seen in his vault is evidence, he does, in fact, hide away evidence of fairies and fairy magic. <laughs> we don't know how much he studied it himself, just that it's there. From the doorway, you hear Vanessa and her dress that she's chosen to wear as this big swishy thing. So she walks in, still, still fiddling with her hair, but she seems to have put makeup on and says, Uh, you were talking about fairies? And she's pulling her hair into some sort of bun and trying to get it straight. Well, isn't that all we ever talk about, Mrs. Lunari? Uh, yes. Well, so before we talk to Lord Mentor, there is something you should know. He is under the impression, and I do think he's right, that people shouldn't think of the Fairy Queen. They shouldn't be in awe or fear of her power. He does everything he can to hide her influence on this kingdom. So I don't know what he's going to do in this instance, but the cat seems out of the bag, as they say. Well, fortunately, this actually doesn't have to do with the Fairy Queen directly. Was the cat ever in the bag? <laughs> really? Only in the worst-kept secret sort of sense. I mean, like, the sad look on Sable's face, these poor deluded people... <laughs> look on her face is is pretty obvious like really well if he's going to continue in the mindset that ignoring a problem will make it disappear while it continues to fester he's incorrect Miev says well i'm in 100 percent agreement and your mother says now that's not quite fair it many mentors over the last hundred years have tried to deal with this problem lord, lord mentor is more cautious than them but there's no dealing with the problem he's just keeping it stable. He's keeping it hidden. That is a different thing. He's keeping things in a holding pattern that isn't sustainable, Mrs. Lenari. And she says, well, I, okay, I can appreciate your opinion on this, and in fairness, you're not wrong, but do try to remember that things aren't always terribly black and white. We, Lord Mentor keeps, frankly, animals from tearing themselves apart, and has done so successfully for years. This is just one aspect of that strategy. Okay. You hear uh, you hear big footsteps coming down the stairs as your dad's weight has doubled now that he's wearing armor. Sable curls up a little more in the chair at this point and like definitely drops her eyes. When Hanzo moves in, uh, you can tell he's not embarrassed at all anymore. He, he's over it. Well, I can't. I'm looking at the floor. Okay. <laughs> he's decked out in full city guard regalia and he has a big whistle hanging off his neck. He walks over to the corner and says, I, it's time I owe you all a bit of an explanation. Okay, my eyes will pop up at that. <sighs> all right. 400 years ago, I was the Lord of Summer Breeze in the fairy wilds in the lands of summer. And all summer fairies are creatures of passion and joy in one type or another. And I felt, and I have since learned that I was right, that we were missing something, something fundamental to our nature, something that bridges the distance between humanity and the Fae. Anyone want to guess what that is? Love. It's love, Papa. <laughs> Absolutely, sweetheart. So I made a deal, and I found the oldest creature I could find in Fairy to ensure that the deal would last as long as I live, and as long as they live. And so I found the second oldest creature in Fairy, which was the Queen of Summer. And I told her that I wanted to make a deal, that I wished to gain the power of love. 
and she told me that there has only been a few fairies who have made such a foolish deal, and that every one of them was ruined, and that she would not do it. And so I sought out the third oldest fairy. And that would be the queen of beasts, the queen of this land. And when I told her my desire, it turns out she was one of those fairies who made a deal for love. And so she granted my request. Her deal, she wasn't specific on, but I gather she loved one creature, and one alone. I chose to love every creature. And unfortunately, with my nature changed, I could not take it back. And it becomes rather difficult to make leadership decisions as the Lord of Lands of Summer when everything is equally important to you. So I left, and I came to the human world, and I have met a great number of people that I care deeply about. And that is why I know just about everything there is to know about fetches. And if there are fetches here, which I'm certain there are, they're likely quite weak. Their purpose is to convince humanity that nothing is wrong when a fairy takes someone into the fairy wilds. It sounds like if they are attacking, someone is subverting their magic. Someone has taken the fairy queen's weapons and turned them on us. Sir? Yes? What does the power of love have to do with you knowing everything about fetches? Nothing, actually. The lords and ladies of the Feywild are the only creatures powerful enough to create fetches. Oh. And I have created them for hundreds of years. Why? Before I became the person I am today, I used them to ensure that when I took humanity, uh, humans, into the fairylands, that no one was the wiser. Our people exist through deals, through agreements, through pacts. Everything is an agreement. Uh, literally everything is an agreement. And if humans understood the costs of those agreements, they would stop making them. And so fetches are a non-disclosure agreement. Mm. But once the fetch learns its true nature, that it is a, a duplicate of a person and, and not a person itself, they go bad. Yes. That's why we made it very difficult for them to learn that. We try very hard to prevent that outcome. It, we frequently make fetches sickly. They, like, they don't live much longer. It's, it's rare. But it's, hmm. I take it from this conversation that you've heard what we just encountered. The fetch we encountered had powerful nature magic. And that would not be something that could happen just by allowing a fetch to know its nature, could it? No, no. A fetch that learns its nature, it goes mad. It realizes it is a construct, a doll, and it loses any pretense to pretend to be humanity. It becomes uncontrolled magic, but it doesn't gain power unless someone, well, unlocks it. Unlocks? Yes. A, there is an incredible amount of power in the deal required to create a fetch. Someone would have to know the deals in and out perfectly in order to manipulate them into creating a more powerful fetch. Well, we know someone who might have that kind of information coming from hundreds of years of study under the Queen of Beasts. Uh, Sable just drops her eyes. <laughs> Mr. Lunari, what did you trade in your agreement with the Fairy Queen? I agreed that I would live inside her kingdom and that every few generations, uh, as I was able... I would sire a half-mortal child. And, well, these things are quite rare, so in 400 years I have had just one. Why does she want that? He can't possibly know all of these answers. Don't we have someone to go talk to? We do, but there's one thing that I can do to help you. I have a title. 
a, a lordship. In the lands of fairy, we call it a mantle. It means that as long as I wield it, I am a lord of summer, and I carry the diplomatic power associated with it. If these fetches are magic of the fairy queen, she can't attack me or anything I own. And so they would be violating ancient agreements if they do. Whether they know or not, they will try everything in their power to avoid breaking that deal. So, Silpha? Yes, Father? Would you like to be the Lord of Summer? What does that mean? Well... Sable holds a hand up. Yes, Sable. I perhaps should not be here for this discussion. Jalen nods and says, yeah, I feel like this is um, between the two of you. Excuse me. And she gets up and leaves the room. Yeah, Jalen does too. Sylpha feels kind of like shocked and left in the lurch. Miev will squeeze your shoulder and say, um, Sylpha, do you, do you want me here or, or, or somewhere else? I, I guess you should mind Jalen and Sable. Very well. And she will turn and leave the room, leaving your two parents in there. Your father says, the power of the Lord of Summer doesn't do much when you're not on the lands of Summer Breeze in the court of the fairies. It is quite weak here in the mortal realm, but it binds you to the ancient agreements that give the lords their power. So while you are in this realm, you would be considered a lady in the court of Summer, and as such... Well, it would be an act of war for another court to attack you. That is what I can offer you. I couldn't give the power of summer to just anyone. There's a, a problem. When you feel the way I do about everything in the world, there is, there is no one you would trust with power. But I have learned something through fatherhood. I believe that you will do everything I would have done better. And that is what I want for you. There is one creature in all of the universe that I would give this to. That that means a lot to me, but I don't know what it means to take on the responsibility for so many ancient agreements. Yes, it's much easier if you are a fairy, and then your nature sort of becomes those agreements. You understand them as well as you would understand yourself. Unfortunately, as you are today, and your mother says, absolutely perfect, and your father says, absolutely perfect. You, however, won't really know how all of them work. You'd have to learn it the hard way. But if you're going to go into battle against fetches, either I am coming with you, or you are taking this power. It's the only thing I can do to protect you. Silva will say, kind of sit quietly for a moment and say, Father, you... You just said that if people truly understood the cost of making agreements, they wouldn't make them. And so, especially in this moment, I certainly don't know how I could agree to take this on. I think you should hold it. I understand, sweetheart. Well, I will tell you, this power is here for as long as I am here. And, well, Papa's mostly eternal. So, it will wait for as long as you need it to wait. And at that moment, you hear whistles start to go off, much like the one around your dad's neck. And the way it goes through town is they, it starts to the north of you, which is probably towards the Mentor family keep. And then every guard who hears the whistle grabs their whistle and echoes it. Damn it. And so whistles start to roll through the city. And your dad reflexively grabs his and then realizes he's in a small room next to a couple people and decides not to blow it right away <laughs> and says, well, I guess it's time to go to work. It's time for the mid-roll and a change today. We have a sponsor. We don't make any money off of this, nor do we accept any yet, but we are doing some local ad swaps with some of our favorite small locally owned businesses in Portland. I want to tell you today about our first one, Bozorth. Go forth and Bozorth. You can find this fun little drink company at bozbev.com, B-O-Z-B-E-V.com. 
Their fresh array of beverages from locally sourced fruit, labor, and design work are available at farmers markets in our area, and now several local grocery chains. You can find their Portland area selling locations at bozbev.com locations. Personally, my family's a big fan of their ginger syrup used as mixers from our local New Seasons grocer. Stay tuned for more fun commercials because nothing disarms a tense Fenrir political moment like an ice-cold Bozorth lemonade. It's time for some fairy facts. Today's fairy is the Nukalave and their counterpart, the Sea Mother. Arcadian myth is from the Scottish and Old Norse Orkney Islands in Scotland. Originally a, a mythic creature, the Nukalave is most often understood to be a sea demon, but it's associated with the winter and has some animal traits and spirit powers that drag it thoroughly into the fairy lore world. Oral traditions change with the local religious practices, and the Nukalave is no exception. Imagine a huge horse rising from the depths of the angry ocean, a human torso emerging out of its top form, with human-like arms stretching all the way to the ground, a massive head, red eyes, and sharp teeth rolls unsupportedly around its neck. Its skin is missing, leaving only red muscle, white sinew, and with the black blood and yellowed veins visible. Standing several times larger than a man, it runs people down and tramples them to death, unless they can escape by crossing a source of fresh water. Likely a sea creature derived from the Kelpie, it grew into its own malevolent and singular self. The creature is angered by air pollution and smoke created by the process of producing early kelp-based fertilizers, and its breath wilts crops and sickens animals. It releases plagues upon the land and is often blamed for poor crops and water shortages. During the summer, however, the Sea Mother, also called the Sea Mither, calms the ocean and Nukalave is contained by her power. So if you ever witness a man-horse demon rising from the winter waves, run for fresh water and wait for summer. All right, let's get back into it. I was about to say, I'm going to run outside and find out what's going on. Yeah, I think Jalen's going to draw her rapier and pull out a crossbow and run outside with Sable. All right. You hit the street first, and when you get outside, it's it's pretty late. It's pretty damn late. Most of the streetlights are out. The city's pretty dark. But all around, you can see candles being lit in people's windows. And down the road, you can see people stepping out into the street to look around just like you are. And a few of them appear to be guards that are actively putting on equipment while stumbling out of their homes. And from where you are, there's really nothing telling you where the action is or what's going on. But the first whistle, you know, was north towards Mintor Keep. And I think Vanessa and Hanzo are coming outside as well. Yeah, I'm sure going to go check that out. I'm not going to wait long, but I'll wait a second. Yeah, since that's where we're all heading anyway, it seems best to just go as a group. Yes. So Hanzo's moving like he's hustling. This seems to be his job. And Vanessa is not wearing a dress that's good for hustling. So he's pacing himself. Yeah, so I, I think Jalen is running ahead and Silpha is halfway in between and she turns to her parents and says, if we go, we, we need to make haste. And she gestures for her father to pick her mom up and bends down to pick up a, a pinch of dirt from the road and sprinkles it over him. He says, yes, princess, and he scoops up your mother and says, come along, my queen. <laughs> Aww. And then he moves real fast. Your father is strong enough that he's not slowed down by your mother. And with long strider, he can now move real quick in plate mail. So all of you are going to make it to the Mentor Gate long before any guard enforcements have arrived. So you approach the Mentor Gate. So just to refresh everyone's memory, House Mentor is three buildings, a, a big library, barracks, and then a manor house. And there's a wall that was never really meant to be a castle wall built around it. And of course, there's been no additional stone in the kingdom, so no one's built it up. So it, it's high enough that you could touch the top of the wall and hop over it if you wanted to. You'd have to really mean it. It's still probably six feet tall, but... You could do it. And then there's a wrought iron gate that is one of those big double gates that's made to open up for carriages that is currently closed for the night. But the thing you see that is interesting is 
when you get to the main courtyard, there are bodies of guards and house mentor champions just lying around clawed in the main courtyard between the library and the oh, manor house. Shit. By clawed, you mean that they've got big, huge claw marks in them? Massive claw marks. Are they dead? Or I mean, can we tell whether they're dead? Um, or whether... Some of them, I mean, they seem to be in various states of badly wounded. You would imagine a few are dead, but many of them are alive. They seem to be sort of crawling away from something. And as you turn your eyes to look in that direction, across the courtyard in the dark, because they're again, all the lights are out, you see a person, stark naked, knocking, pounding with their fist on the big double doors on the front of House Mentor. My lantern is out. Is it illuminating anything? Your lantern is lit up, but nothing is invisible. Jalen's going to take aim and try to shoot this naked person in the back. Uh but we don't know. They're pounding on a door. They might be like trying to get in and caught in a bad situation. All right, she'll shoot him in the leg. Uh, oh no! <laughs> How far away are they? So the courtyard is large enough that you were able to like house a whole funeral here, and part of a parade is able to assemble in it. So it's it's a big courtyard. So we're talking probably two hundred feet. Okay, so we're two hundred feet away. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't do anything from 200 feet. And you are on the wrong side of a gate, although the gate isn't really a barrier. Sylpha takes from her components pouch her transmuter stone and lobs it at Jalen. <laughs> Jalen catches it. Do I need to roll for that? Nope. You're heroes. You're the best shot. It'll help you see in the dark. All right. Nate, are the live ones on the ground? Or does, is the naked person the thing they seem to be crawling away from? They seem to be running from the naked person and are pretty, pretty badly injured mm. by massive claws. Okay. Yep. All right. She's going to shoot that person in the back. Okay. Roll to hit. Uh, you have disadvantage at this distance, but you can make the shot because you have dark vision. May I roll perception to try to see who it is? If it's someone I recognize? Yeah. It's far enough away that I'm going to say that your moth eyes counteract the disadvantage. So just roll Regular. normal instead of with advantage. Okay, I have a question about my shot. Because I was going to use assassinate, which would give me advantage on the roll. So can I just take a normal shot with no disadvantage? You can take a normal shot with no disadvantage, yes. My perception was a 15. Okay. With a 15 Silpha, you can tell it is a man. Their skin has leopard spots. Oh no. <laughs> all over it. There sort of has a a kind of fuzziness. Is that Byron that has leopard spots? That is the only person you know of with leopard spots. Or the Byron fetch. Yeah. I got a 16 to hit. Okay, a 16. You sink a crossbow bolt in its back. You get your free critical. Go ahead and roll it. All right. So I get a free crit and then sneak attack? Yep. Which means you double the sneak attack dice as well as the dice of the crossbow Hold on. Bolt. I have to get out more dice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. 27. 27. Okay. You shoot it in the back. It stumbles into the door and then turns around. And Silpha, you can see it. it is Byron, but there's something very wrong with him. His eyes are straight up bestial. Like they catch the light like a wolf and glisten. And his jaw line is changing actively as he turns around. This is not Byron. During all this, while they're shooting and doing other things, I'm getting that gate open. Okay, you can get the gate open, no problem. There's like a crappy chain. Yeah. You unwrap it. It's not a big deal. Normally there are guards here to prevent people from doing yes. that. I just interrupted the drama, so please go back to the drama. That's more interesting. So Byron turns around and says, I will have my bride, and shifts into an animal. He has some weird-ass powers. So, Silpha, go ahead and roll me a d8 if you'd be so sure. kind to see what this person turns into. It is a five. A five? Oh, shit. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Great. <laughs> no dragons. No dragons, Nate. <laughs> so, he turns into some sort of beast. It is a creature you have never seen before. It is some sort of lizard-bird hybrid, and it is truly massive. 18 feet tall, with massive tail, a huge muscular body, a massive reptilian jaw, feathers sort of rolling down its back. 
it doesn't seem to have wings, but it does have two tiny little mm, arms. A scientifically accurate T-Rex. <laughs> exactly. However, you will have to roll to know anything about this creature. This is a freaking Tyrannosaurus Rex. Fuck! <laughs> and I'm going to need initiative. <gasps> Damn. Because this is now a fight. We will consider God the gate it. to be open. So you've succeeded in doing that. So, 21 is going to be Sable, followed by Hanzo, then Silfa, then Vanessa, then Miev, then Jalen is going to be our initiative order. So, Sable. Yeah. One thing I will point out to the party, when this guy turns into a Tyrannosaurus Rex, the injury it suffered does not appear to be there. So you can assume that this gentleman's hit point mechanics work just like druid wild shape okay so the animal is giving him a second pool of hit points yep i hurry forward a little bit scoop up some dust throw it into the air say a few magic words and sprinkle a bit of water in my hand throw that up against the dirt and it coalesces and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it becomes a big storm cloud which then hovers over the t-rex and starts to drop sleet Whoa. So what Sleet Storm does is freezing rain and sleet fall in a 20-foot tall cylinder with a 40-foot radius centered on a point you choose within range, which is going to be right on top of that T-Rex. The area is heavily obscured. This T-Rex is now in a terrifying Sleet Storm. Yeah. The ground is covered with slick ice, making it difficult to rain. When it enters the spell's area for the first time or it starts its turn there, it needs to make a dex saving throw. On a failed save, it falls prone. Not a terribly dexterous critter. The Tyrannosaurus will fail, and so immediately it slides on the sleet storm like marbles on the ground and falls. Good. So its charge is disrupted. You're just right prone here. All right. Hanzo, Lord of Summer Breeze, raises his hands to the sky, and for a moment you think the sun comes out. He casts Daylight, only it's way more powerful than a normal Daylight spell. It is double daylight, so the battlefield is now fully illuminated. Even through the sleet storm, you get pretty good visibility now. Silpha, your dad put a gigantic ball of sun in the air. It hurts your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> but, Silpha, it is your turn. <laughs> now I have disadvantage at perception. Great. Luckily, there's only a Tyrannosaurus. You can't miss him. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> In the middle of a sleep storm. Big prone target. I think Sylpha reacts to her father casting magic because that's not a thing she's ever seen. Not the T-Rex, mind you. <laughs> the T-Rex were like, whatever. But then Hanzo, Hanzo like, casts a spell and she's like, what? Bear in mind, just this night, we saw an owl the size of mm -hmm. a barn. So, you know, big yeah. scary creatures. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Those whatever. are normal. This could just be an angry thorns beast. <laughs> Hanzo casting magic, though, is like a new day of the week. I do like the idea that the anatomically correct Tyrannosaurus Rex is basically a giant lizard goose. And that's uh -huh. entirely within the realm of something that would come out of the thorns. Yep. Absolutely. It's like fully, fully fits. And we're all like, what the fuck? Evolution. Of course a T-Rex would be part goose. <laughs> because geese are assholes. They are assholes. My question is, can this thing see if you don't move? <laughs> I have bad news. Jurassic Park was not correct. Oh, fooey on Yui. <laughs> so I think I would like to... Hold an action. Anything in particular? Yeah. So Sylpha's in a rather chaotic internal state. She's awed by her father casting magic. She's horrified by the destruction and bodies and injury. And thoroughly creeped out by this thing that appears to be Byron that is not Byron. And given what he was just shouting, I think she will try and see if she can get this thing's attention to make its focus her instead of other people not the wisest choice give me uh give me persuasion would be i think an appropriate skill role to represent this okay. i think he's too bestial to recognize a sylpha i rolled a two and with my persuasion that would bonus that would be a seven. Oh. so you're making some noise and he is stuck in a sleet storm spinning around on marbles of ice so you don't seem to get his attention right this second, but that doesn't mean it won't work eventually. Vanessa, 
she is not going to fight a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> Nuts. But she pulls something out of her hair, and you see her long hair cascade down her back. And she darts inside the fence and runs up to the first guard and starts trying to help him get off the ground. That's smart, Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Miev is not going to screw around with a Tyrannosaurus Rex. She goes for the big guns. Good! She polymorphs him down into an actual goose. <laughs> Reduced. No, it's a tiny T-Rex. <laughs> I stomp it! She tosses a massive ball of fire. <laughs> Excellent. Roast goose. Uh, so the Tyrannosaurus has disadvantage on his dexterity saving throw because he is prone. And he's not terribly dexterous, so this doesn't go great for him. At which point, Fireball does 8d6, I believe. Yes! Right? Do a lot of damage! She rolls like crap, though. Oh, oh dang it. Miev. But that's life. Well, she's trying trying to not do property damage. That's it. That's... There's a sleet <laughs> storm! It's going to put out all the... Plus there's a sleet storm, and it, and it mitigates <laughs> mm -hmm. the effect exactly. of the, yeah. the fireball. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah that's what happened. That's it. <laughs> the sleet storm puts out a lot of the fireballs, but a big waff of flame just explodes on this creature, and you hear it sort of let out this somewhat sad wail that is definitely not from an animal you've ever heard before, but it still does a substantial amount of damage. Uh, and that's going to bring us to Jalen. Jalen, upon seeing Vanessa moving to help the downed guys, she's going to put herself in a position to shoot this thing a couple of times, but she's trying to cover Vanessa, too. She really doesn't want this thing to come after her. Okay, you get between Dinosaur and Vanessa, and you can shoot. Thank you, Jalen. So normally, shooting at a prone target would, would imply some disadvantage, because it's down and low. But it's a Tyrannosaurus, so... <laughs> It can't really get that low. <laughs> right. So do I get advantage or disadvantage? You get regular, regular shot. Regular shot. Okay. Yeah, I how got... low can it go? <laughs> I got a 27 and a 16. Both of those hit. Okay. He's the broad side of a barn. Do I have any allies close to him? No. Okay. So 19. Ouch. Does about as much damage as a fireball. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you shoot him. He is shot. That's going to bring us to a Tyrannosaurus Rex. The Tyrannosaurus Rex stands up. As you would hope. We don't hope, though. We don't There's hope still that he sleet around up. it. If it starts its turn in the sleet area, it still has to roll again. Yeah, it stands up, tries to get its footing in the sleet. Tyrannosaurus, not, again, not the most dexterous critter. Oh, no. <laughs> but it rolls really well. Damn it. So it rolls up and sort of like a cat pounce, complete with wiggle butt, <laughs> leaps up over the sort of marbles of sleet. And it only succeeds in going about 30 feet, but I think that gets it out of the sleet storm. But it slams out onto the ground, lets out this tremendous roar, and then turns to look at you all. And that's pretty much its whole turn, unfortunately. Well, unfortunately for the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's Sable's turn. Okay. So I think at this point, she's level seven, so I do think that her magic shows a little bit more. I think that you can see that while she's holding the sleet storm, there's some sort of iciness to her eyes and things along those lines. This just drops away. The moment that it's out of that, she just drops concentration on the sleet storm and moves forward pretty deliberately and puts her hands up in the sky this time, very much like she did with the owl before. And swirls them around and says, oh no, this is not going to happen. And the clouds that were the sleet storm just spread out and turn dark and become a massive thunderstorm. And she calls lightning down on that thing. Okay. I believe that's another dexterity saving throw. Choose a spell. Each creature within five feet must make a dexterity saving throw. Yes. Yep. Super failure. Super de duper failure. Super de duper failure? Awesome. Yeah. I'm imagining the perspective from people looking out of their houses into town. They see this huge <laughs> patch of daylight with a, a thunderstorm in the middle of it. Yeah. The lightning reflects in her eyes as she calls down this lightning. And I did not roll poorly. I rolled a 10, an 8, and a 2. So that's nice. 20 points of damage that this thing takes from Respectable. lightning. 
and I can continue to hold this and continue to call down lightning on him. So that's what I'm doing. The whole time, I'm just stepping forward towards it. So Hanzo just walks out in front of all of you all between the Tyrannosaurus. He doesn't draw his sword and just stares at it. He'll say something like, hey there, big guy. Go ahead, Silpha. Well, Silpha's gonna try to get its attention with her signature ray of frost, I guess. Okay. Wow, I really haven't done this in a while. It's 2d8 now, right? Yes, but first yes. roll to hit. Oh, I rolled a 19 on the dice, so... That super duper absolutely hits. Absolutely hits. Eh, a 1 to 7. 8. 8. Alright, your frost bolt slips around your father, and as it does so, the mantle of the Lord of Summer seems to do something to it. It is transformed into fire. Uh, oh, kindly shit. double your dice. What? Oh! Hanzo! Hidden treasure of power! There's a summer mantle active right now. I guess add, add five to that, so 13. 13 damage, okay. What turns into fire? My frost bolt. Oh, the ray of frost. Okay. I was like, did the T-Rex turn into fire? <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> now it's a fire goose. <laughs> Just Silpha's magic went from ice to fire because it passed through the Summer Lord's aura. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Phew, I was completely misunderstanding that. This makes me think of the meme where they were like, if dinosaurs were basically large chickens, then so were dragons, and then there's like a goose <laughs> raining yeah, fire yeah, yeah. down on a, on a castle. <laughs> Accurate. So Vanessa gets this soldier up and runs him to the entryway of the library, where he tries to get clear. And then she turns to come back towards another soldier, but that's going to be her whole turn. Miev, not super pleased with her fireball strides up much closer, snaps her hands together, and does a cone of cold. For whatever reason, her power does not catch fire, like yours did when it passed through Hanzo's aura. Hers stays a cone of cold. It also doesn't gain power nor change damage type. It's just a plain old ordinary thing. But the T-Rex gets a con saving throw, which it rolls a one on. <laughs> Yay! I was about to say, it probably has a good con. It does, but one's happened to the best of us. Yep. Not tonight. Even to the T-Rex. She blasts the hell Ooh, it's going to be a it. frozen icy T-Rex statue. Yay! This is going to be a T-Rexicle. Yeah, it, she blasts the ever-living hell out of it. It looks to be in terrible shape. Yes. So she blasts it for 39 damage. Uh -huh. Whoa! Holy yes. crap! Now the T-Rex is still alive, although you don't know how. But that's going to bring us to Jalen. Jalen is continuing to track Vanessa's whereabouts and making sure she's still covering her, and she's going to shoot him a couple more times. Okay. A 12 is probably a miss. A 12 just misses. It hits it, but the, the hide is too thick. Okay, but the second shot was uh, 24. Super hits, yes. All right, is anybody close enough for sneak attack? Still no. Okay. All right, but I rolled well. That's 10 points of damage. All right. Man, that T-Rex is just barely hanging on. For the T-Rex's turn, it closes up to Hanzo and goes to bite him. And you see the mouth is easily larger than Hanzo. It opens up like the creature wants to swallow him whole. And some dice rolls occur. Silpha is freaking out, even though she knows, like, supposedly he has this thing that will protect him. Freaking the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hanzo doesn't flinch at all. And the moment when the first, like, his whole head engulfs over the top of him, hits this T-Rex's lips hit the pavement on both sides, and it goes as to close his mouth. And when the first tooth touches him, the magic unwinds. Something inherently prevents this action. The Tyrannosaurus form collapses, leaving naked man with an arrow in his back. <laughs> Chewing on Hanzo's head. <laughs> Basically bouncing off of Hanzo's chest and falling to the ground. The guy spits out. I think he's going to take a little bit of damage for that. Let's just have him take a d6. Yeah, just one point of damage. He dings his mouth pretty bad, slamming into Hanzo. But that goes to his human form, at which point he is going to try to transform into something else. So if I need a d8 again, and this time if it's a 5, just re-roll it. 
Three. <laughs> okay. It turns into a Triceratops. <laughs> God damn it. Are they all dinosaurs? No, only half of them are dinosaurs. <laughs> now I've seen a Triceratops. Back up at the top of the order. Sable, that T-Rex is gone. There is a Triceratops. Damn. Is it a fully healthy Triceratops? It is a fully Fuck. healthy three-horned Triceratops. I really, ah! really wanted to be able to hit that human form before it changed. But yeah, so it's... Sable's a little angry that she wasn't able to actually hit this thing before it actually took another form. And so she just kind of snarls in that direction and throws some more lightning towards its head. It's itty-bitty Triceratops' head. Okay, Triceratops, also not a dexterous creature. Fail. Fails its saving throw. Eighteen. Gosh, an eight, an eight, and a ten. Sixteen, twenty-six. Dang. Dang! You lightning bolt the Triceratops. It's close enough now you can smell cooked goose. Yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to Hanzo. So Hanzo has a confused look on his face. And he says, I don't think that counts as an attack. And he just stands still between the Triceratops and the party. Silpha, it is your turn. Silpha will see if she can get the Triceratops to snap back into its human form that might recognize her. You are trying to dispel a fourth level spell, so you do have to roll. DC is 10 plus 4 is 14, and it is an intelligence check. Good thing. Ooh, 17 on the dice, so plus modifier, that would be that 24. Alright, you dispel this polymorph effect. The Triceratops form, which really just appeared, turns to look at Hanzo and then starts trying to sidestep him. And it's, of course, this giant Triceratops. It's not going real great. And he immediately disappears and becomes naked, twisted Byron Mason, who is doing little side hops to try to go around your father. And that brings us to Vanessa. Vanessa, much more confident about this concept of a naked man than she was about a Tyrannosaurus, throws her hairpin. It strikes the naked man. It does one point of damage, and it explodes with the heat of summer. And so, one point of damage, and then it gets really, really, really hot. So, that's (laughs) going to do... Sure. (laughs) 11 damage. Byron was already hot. (laughs) So yeah, she hits him for 11 damage total, and that goes to the human form. So there's still a bleeding arrow stuck out of his back. There's now a fancy-looking butterfly hairpin that apparently is a throwing star that lodged in his shoulder, and there's a big burn blast wound on his shoulder now, and that is going to bring us to... Go, Vanessa. Yeah. Miev. Oh, boy. Miev is going to shout. Nope. She's got a magic missile. Yes. It's an oldie but a goodie. Free hit, huh? I'll take it. Blue, blue, bloom. Three missiles roll out, slam into him for another 11 damage, leaving blast marks across his chest. He's still standing. Ugh. Which means... Fetch Byron Mason is probably a lot tougher than Byron Mason. Mm. But that's going to bring us to Jalen. Jalen's going to shoot him a couple more times. Hanzo is now a friend in Malay. Oh, good. Okay, I think that's two hits. That's a 20 and a 26. Yes, absolutely. 25. 25. Let's do the math here. Oh, just alive. Oh, my gosh. Just alive. <laughs> Jalen's like, you're fucking kidding me. Okay, well, we've burnt through Tyrannosaurus, and we've burnt through Triceratops. So, Julie, could you give me a D6? It's a three on the D6. A three. All right. He turns into Pteranodon, a pterodactyl. Oh, Sable, now you've seen a pterodactyl. (laughs) Still can't fly, so I can't turn into it. Next level. (laughs) But the pterodactyl will whip up around Hanzo, basically trying to ignore him, and fly at our party. We are now going to give the pterodactyl a perception check. It comes to a screeching mid-air stop directly in front of Silpha. 
and just lands at your feet. Silpha, there's a pterodactyl at your feet, and that is its turn. And that is going to take us to Sable. I'm going to assume that it's planning on doing something terrible to Silpha, and therefore I am going to attack it again. So I whirl around to where it went, throw my hair, my hand up in the air. I throw my hair back and forth. No. I throw my <laughs> hand up in the air and call down lightning upon it once more. All right. Pterodactyl, much better at dexterity than uh, yep. other creatures. Still rolls crap, so full damage. Silpha's like, oh. 18 points of damage. 18 points. All right. The bug zapper. Yeah, the pterodactyl form, cartoon style, is electrified. So we see its skeleton for a second? Yeah. yeah. Feathers fly everywhere, and standing in that space is Byron, who takes the overflow damage. And he's just barely hanging on. Stab yeah. him, Silva. Stab him. And Hanzo turns around and looks afraid for the moment, but then realizes that the posture of Byron is is very different now that he's next to Silva. I think he's still dashing over, though, so Hanzo is coming back towards you. It's hard for me, because like, I don't know what to do, because she knows this is a fetch, right? mm-hmm. but like... Yeah. But emo- emotionally, it would still be a bit gut-wrenching to yeah. stab this dude you love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, out of character, I don't think anybody would blame Sulphur for sending this one out. <laughs> yeah. She didn't want to kill it. Distracting it is also an option. Yeah, I think she's going to go for the, the distraction option. She sa- she addresses it as if it's Byron. Byron, what are you doing? What What have you done? He reaches his hands up towards your face, and he only has six seconds, so... She's going to try to bring him in for a hug, as in, while he's distracted, somebody else can kill him. It's legit. Yeah, I think Byron says with his free action to speak, Lord Mentor stands between us. I won't allow it. And then Vanessa, I think Vanessa walks up and stabs him. Yes! 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 <laughs> yeah, she does. Just in the back, just walks up and stabs her right She just walks up and shanks him in the back. <laughs> yes! Oh, Vanessa. She's gritty as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) This is my family. She's not, you don't get the impression she's terribly dangerous, but you only had one hit point left, and so the extremely pointy hairpin she uses is sufficient. Byron, in bizarre fetch fashion, dissolves instantaneously. You are now instantly not hugging anything, Silpha. Like a, a pile of leaves, simply autumn leaves, appears and just blows away wrapping around your legs, and then drifts into the city. Hmm. And the sun goes out. And the clouds fade away. And that is our show today. Tune in next time as our fantasy politics comes to a boil. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review wherever you get this podcast. We recommend iTunes, as it's where most podcasts get their ratings and reviews. We also recently passed our 10,000 downloads mark with a lot of support around the globe, which is podcast land is small time, but in our hearts is pretty huge. So hello to Israel, Ireland, the UK, China, Australia, and France, and all over the United States. Feel free to tell a friend about us if you like our story. Will our heroes save the real Byron Mason from the reputation created by Fetch Byron? Find out next time on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. tell a joke real quick before we get started yes okay, okay. tell a joke okay okay why did the puppy fall down the stairs uh-oh why awkward pause pause oh, <laughs> oh. <sighs> i like that patrick told me that one i thought it was pretty gold <laughs> that, <laughs> that, hurts. that was solid it's that like hurt. my little meta too mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay it's like the one
a three-legged puppy walks into his saloon and says, I'm looking for the man who shot my paw. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no. <laughs> you hadn't heard that one, Mandy? Uh, I'm going to file that one to tell him back later. I'm back. Okay. From outer space. Na -na 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 face. Should have changed that fucking luck. Should have made you leave your key. Shouldn't have let the T-Rex come after me. Will we survive? Oh, now go. Waddle out that door. 